Thanks for inviting Mission City Church to join you wherever you are today. We've got a great message for you, so let's go ahead and get started. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody this morning. And by everybody, I mean everybody. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I appreciate uh, those of you that were coming to our 11 o'clock service as I was. I preached at our central campus and I was driving up here at 1045. I was turning off the feeder road like many of you were. uh, And we were just parked right there on the feeder road for a while. And I looked in my rearview mirror and it was backed up to Quick Trip. For those of you that watch online, that doesn't mean anything to you. For those of us here, that was a long way. So thank you for your patience. Obviously, we have a few hundred extra teenagers in the room uh, this morning and a lot of the parents that are with them. Yeah. So appreciate uh, your patience. Excited about today. Thankful for the weekend. If you see any adults at the end of this service that look like zombies, you probably want to tell them thank you because they probably spent the weekend uh, with your kids. They did a phenomenal job uh, just ministering to and loving on our students. I'm thankful to be a part of a church uh, that makes the next generation a priority and super thankful for that. So uh, as we jump in, let me just ask you this question. Don't answer out loud. I know we got teenagers here. What does a good church look like? What does a good church look like? I mean, that's subjective, right? We, we, we don't really, really have one answer. I could sit down with any one of you and ask, what does a good church look like? Some of you be like, well, you know, if it has a good kids ministry, then that's a good church. Or, or it has a great student ministry. Or, you know, we like the teaching and the preaching. We like the worship. I actually had a conversation with somebody and I sat down. And I was like, so what brought you to Mission City? And they said, you know, they named several things. They said, but the thing that actually put it over the top, why we felt like this is where we were supposed to be. We liked your coffee. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess, thank you. I'm not sure. Uh, but we have all these different, these different reasons. And, and, and as I talk about those, and again, it's subjective. None of those are bad in and of themselves. But, but let's think about that answer. When we talk about what makes a great church, we name all of these things. These are things that we're pointing to that meet my needs. Matter of fact, I've had people share with me, why are you at our church? Well, this church meets my needs. And so as we think about the church, the the key that I want us to understand this morning is you, all those things that we talked about, all those things that make a great church, you have to help us be that church. Not to just have your idea of what we're supposed to be for you, but how you can help us be that church. It's why church and and football games are different. If I'm a a fan at a football game, if I'm at a UTSA football game and I don't like what the coach is doing, what do I do? I complain, I gripe, I talk about what they should be doing. Well, they should have run the ball right there. They should be doing this, they should be doing that. You know what doesn't happen? Coach Trailer doesn't come up in the stands and go, okay, server, get in here and help us then. Like, I just get to sit in the stands and shoot arrows. But in the church, that's not the way we're called to function. It's not sit back and look at everything we like or don't like and shoot arrows when we don't like it. You have to help us be what God has called us to be. Too often we're looking for the perfect church with the perfect staff and the perfect ministries. And and here's what I want to encourage you. If you find the perfect church, do me a favor. Don't join it because you'll mess it up. Because all of us are flawed, and there is no perfect church. There was a guy named Will Mancini. He kind of 
summed this up and he said there's there's a concept called lower room and upper room thinking lower room thinking is why most people come to the church four p's they come for the place the location where it is it's close to my house they come for the personalities the preachers the teachers the ministers they come for the programs what we do and they come for the people because this is where their friends are. That's the front door of the church. That's why many of us are a part of Mission City Church and there's nothing wrong with those things. We want to be excellent in every single one of those areas. But here's the reality. We don't want you to stay there. We don't want you to, to just be at Mission City because of those four Ps because ultimately if one of those changes then you're like, well, I guess it's time for me to go to another church. What we want is for you to mature in your faith and so you move beyond the four Ps into what we call upper room thinking. I think we have a, an illustration, kind of a visual up on the screen for you to be able to see. Upper room thinking is you move from those four Ps, place, personality, programs, people, into mission. Why are you at Mission City Church? Because of the mission because of what God has called us to, because of who we are as a church. I wanna be a part of what God is doing. Again, those four Ps aren't bad in and of themselves, but, but we wanna grow, we wanna mature in our relationship with Christ beyond those and into mission. I'm here for the mission. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20 introduces us to the mission. Many of you are familiar with this passage. This is Jesus talking not making a suggestion, commanding the church to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so as we look at this verse and, and we think about this verse, God is calling us, each one of you, to move from me to mission. To move from me to mission. One of the great quotes I love about the church is God didn't create a mission for the church. God created the church for his mission. It's not like when your, your kids are home in the summertime and you're just trying to figure out something for them to do. I think sometimes that's what churches do. Just want to figure out stuff for people to do. But God created the church to fulfill his mission. His mission of what? Making disciples. So let's talk about the church really quickly this morning. The what, the why, the how, the when. What are we supposed to be doing as a church? We're supposed to be making disciples. Seeing lives transformed by the gospel. Not just people getting saved. Not just letting you stay where you are in your, in your maturity and your growth, but helping you to grow. That starts with little kids, with our students, with adults, some of you are adults and you've been saved for 30 years, but, but you're still a baby. When it comes to your faith, you, you haven't matured. We want to help you grow in that. That's what we're supposed to be doing, making disciples, seeing lives transform. But, but the next question is, why do we do it? Why do we do those things? Why is this such a big deal? Well, a couple of reasons, and depending on your personality, maybe one or two of these maybe land a little bit harder. You know, one reason we do it is because of obedience, God has called us to these things. That's, that's kind of how my personality works. I'm more of an obedience person. Like if, if it says it, I just do it. Like, okay, it says we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to make disciples. Let's go make disciples. For some of you, it's that simple. But, but for others of us, it's beyond just the obedience that God tells us to, that this is the mission that we're called to be on. We do it out of an overflow. My response to God's love and grace in my life is, 
is I want to grow in my faith and I want to help other people grow in their faith. When you think about God's love for you, how many of you ever just stop? And most of the time, that's the problem. We never stop. But just stop and just think about, man, what was the path that I was on before? I was, I was on the path towards hell. I was separated from God. I, I, I was a sinner separated from a holy God with no hope. And God, because he loved us while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Man, that's overwhelming to think about. Why do I want to participate in the mission of God? Because it's, it's transformed my life. It happens out of the overflow. So there's the obedience and the overflow, but also ultimately we want to do it because we just love other people. Man, just think about that. Jesus said, you will know them, disciples, by what? Their love. Just loving people that act like me. Just loving people that look like me, that, that are in the same socioeconomic situation or the same education level, those are the people I love. No, he says that we love who? Everyone. That as we're transformed in our own hearts, when, when the love of Christ settles into our own lives, we can't help but love other people. It, it, it's moving from, from friendliness to love. One of the things I love about Mission City, people tell me all the time, we, we love Mission City Church. People are so friendly. I walked in the door the first time and just felt like I was at home. And, and I love hearing that. I enjoy hearing that. But, but we want to move from friendliness to genuine love. That we deeply care about you. That we deeply care about the things that, that you're going through, the things that you're struggling with. That we want to, to celebrate with you when things are great. We, we want to weep with you when things are bad. We want to walk with you. We want to challenge you. We love you. And so we do these things because we love others. But then how? How do we do it? We have the what and the why. How do we do it? Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 through 47, we see a little bit of what we're supposed to, to be doing. He says they devoted, he's talking about the disciples, the followers of Christ, they devoted themselves, and that word devoted is key, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, the prayers, and all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And we like to look back at this passage and go, okay, yes. That is what the church is supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to function. Okay, let's talk about that. What, what made the church the church? How are they accomplishing the mission of God? They were devoted to God, the things of God. They were devoted to the word of God, it says. When's the last time outside of church on Sunday morning that you opened up God's word? You know that we have more access to God's word than we've ever had in history. If you have a smartphone, you have a million different apps with the Bible on it. The best one being the Bible app. Literally a thousand different devotionals that you can have delivered to you every day. And you can customize them. You're like, I want a five-minute devotional. I want a seven-and-a-half-minute devotional. I want a ten-minute devotional. I want a devotional on marriage. I want a devotional on parenting. I want a devotional on this. I want a devotional on that. All of these things at our fingertips. 
just to be able to spend time in God's word. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. If we want to be who God has called us to be and created us to be and be a part of the mission of God, we have to be devoted to the word of God. And there's a lot of reasons why 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 talks about this. Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, I solemnly charge you, and he skips down, to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And listen to this, for the time will come, and tell me if this sounds like today, for the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside the myths. What what does that mean? It it means they're going to listen to people that are saying what they want to hear. Not truth, not what the word of God says, but I'm going to listen to people that say what I want to hear. We see that in our churches. We see pastors. They're not talking about the truth of God's word. They're talking about anything else. And they have hundreds of thousands of people following them. Why? Because they're saying what they want to hear. I don't have anything of value as Matt Serber to give you. Like, I'm just not that smart. But what I can do is open up God's word and present the truth of God's word. And we can do the same thing in our own. It says they were devoted to it. Romans chapter 12 talks about that they're transformed by the renewing of their mind. Students, the best habit that you can have right now is a devotional time with God, spending time in God's Word. If you want this to be something beyond just a a camp spiritual high that lasts a couple of days, what sustains and transforms is the power of God's Word in your life. Parents, that we would spend time in God's Word, that we would set the example for our kids. That they would look to their dads, they'd look to their moms. Every day my mom was in the word. Every day my dad was in the word. It made such an impact on me. They spent time in God's word. They, they spent time in community and fellowship. They, they were together. It says they prayed together. Maybe you've been reading some about this Ashbury revival that started on the college campuses, kind of spreading all over the country. Pretty phenomenal what God's doing. It, it's, it's so unreal that the world doesn't really know how to comprehend it. Like there's just lines of people to get into a a chapel at a college campus so they can pray and worship together. It doesn't make sense to the world. But what's happening is a revival and it's starting with young people. And it's spreading across their nation. And and the revival started the same way the revival is going to start here in San Antonio, through prayer. Not just going to God with our list of, of things that we want or need. But praying and crying out to God that all we want, God, is more of you. All we want, God, is is your spirit to transform our hearts and lives, transform my family, transform my city. What if one Sunday morning you showed up here and we said, hey, you know what? We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're just going to pray. How many of you feel really uncomfortable by that? You'd be like, what are we going to do for the other 55 minutes, right? But they prayed together. The reason God was moving in such a powerful way through the church is because the church gathered to pray. They were generous. They they gave in and of themselves. It said that they they sold their possessions and distributed to whoever had a need. If you're really wanting to, to have a heart check today, if you're really 
honestly want to go before God and say, am I maturing in my faith? Ask yourself this question. Is there anything that you have that you wouldn't give up for Jesus? I I have a really nice house. We love living there, beautiful trees, beautiful yard, three quarters of an acre, big pain to mow. But if God said, hey, Matt, I want you to sell your house. You need, you need to downsize. There's, there's other things you can do with those resources. Would my answer be yes? They were generous. If anyone had a need, they, they met it. They were serving each other. Let me, let me just shed a little bit of light on what that means. They didn't show up wondering what other people could do for them. They didn't start evaluating at the parking lot. Well, it took me a long time to get in here this morning person at the door wasn't that friendly. They said hi to the person in front of me. They didn't say hi to me. The line for the coffee was kind of long or I didn't even like the coffee in the first place. The music, not my style. The preaching, he's got a table. He doesn't have a pulpit and he doesn't wear a suit. And you can just nitpick all of these things and how we are supposed to serve you. Or as a functioning part of the body, you come in and say, how can I serve others? There's 59 different verses in the New Testament. They're called the one another verses. Where basically the the whole focus is as the church, how do we do these things for one another? That that we're all a part of something bigger than ourselves, serving each other. It goes back to Philippians chapter 2. The example of Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He made himself nothing. Taking on the very form of a servant. That's what we're called to be, to serve others and then to be together. Unity. Now, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. Uniformity is we want everybody to be exactly alike. that's, That's the type of churches I grew up in. It was more about what you did, how you looked, how you dressed, how you acted. Uniformity. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches unity. What unity is, is it's a group of people that that are diverse and different that in many times set aside preferences for the greater good of the mission that God has called us to as a church. And the diversity is the beauty that, that makes the church so amazing, all the different parts of the body working together to accomplish the mission that God has given us. In other words, we don't come with agendas. Our only agenda is God's agenda. And how can we be a part of what God is doing? Paul talks about, or the writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 10, says that we shouldn't neglect meeting together as some do, but what? We should encourage one another all the more as we see the day coming near. And many times we take this verse and we're talking about coming to church. We need to not neglect meeting together, but it's bigger than that. You you understand that we can't, you can't be the church in one hour a week. This is the gathering of the church. It's beautiful and wonderful, and I I look forward to it every week, but but this is not the church. This is the gathering of the church. It's more than than an hour. It says that they were devoted. We have to be devoted to to God and his mission and his church, giving our times, our talents, our treasures. And then we ask the question, when are we successful? How how do we know if we're successful as a church? Is the goal just to have big crowds? 
to, to, to start more campuses and more services and have more people? Like, what is, what is the goal? How do we know if we're accomplishing what, what God has called us to, that we're successful? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul talks about this. He, he says, when we all attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. What, what he's basically saying is, we're never finished. That we're constantly growing in our walk and our relationship with Christ. That we're never the perfect church. We're never gonna come to a day where we go, you know what? <laughs> We've arrived. We're perfect, we did everything. We can't even pull off a perfect Sunday morning. Much less be a, a perfect church that we're always striving all together to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God. As long as there's one person that doesn't know Jesus Christ, we're not successful. Because there's someone else to reach. As long as there's one person who's not maturing in their faith, we have a, a whole lot of work to do. But, but that's what success looks like. Mission City Church wants to minister to you but also through you. How can you be used to accomplish the mission of the church? Our mission statement here at Mission City, you hear it a lot, engaging people where they are with the gospel of Jesus Christ, leading them in the lives of transformation. And the, the key words that I always try to emphasize to our body is, is engaging and leading, because that's not what I do by myself. That's what we do. Every single person has a place and a part. So the last question, where's God taking us as a church? Well, you're gonna find out starting next week. That's my teaser for next Sunday, you have to come back. We're gonna start a new series on the life of Abraham. Life of Abraham, an, an, an amazing story of a man and how God used a man and how it speaks to us and what God wants to do in the days ahead in our church. And so I want to invite you back to that. But I want to close with this, because in just a minute, we're going we're gonna to celebrate baptism, which is a, a visual, yeah, a visual, a picture of what we're talking about, of that transformation. But Mark Deaver, who's a, a pastor in the Washington area, writes a lot about the church. This is what he says, and I'll close with this. He says, of course, just as there are not perfect Christians in this life, so there's no perfect churches. Even the best churches fall short of the ideal. Neither correct polity nor courageous preaching, neither sacrificial giving nor doctrinal orthodoxy can ensure that a church will flourish. Nevertheless, any church can be healthier than it is. In our own lives, we never see complete victory over sin. But as true children of God, we do not therefore give up the struggle. Churches must not give up the struggle either. Christians, particularly pastors and church leaders, desire and labor to see healthier churches. And here's the purpose. This is why we exist. So that God may be glorified in his people. You were created. The reason you have breath, the reason you are on this earth right now is to bring God glory with every single area of your life. The reason we exist as a church is not to have a crowd, is not to take up an offering, it is not to build buildings. The church exists to glorify God. How do we glorify God? By accomplishing his mission. And every single one of us are called to be a part of that mission.
Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the mission you've given the church. God, that that you created us, not not to just gather, not just to be a club or an organization, but but to, to literally accomplish the great commission on the earth. That people that don't know Jesus would come to faith in Jesus Christ. That, that people that are, that are saved would grow in their relationship with Christ and begin to glorify you with their lives. God, I pray even this morning as we think about the mission of the church, if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, that today might be the day of salvation. God, that you would convict our hearts. So, so many of us, we love you. We're here at church on a Sunday morning, but we're, we're sitting in the stands. And we're not helping the church be who you've called us to be. God, I pray that every single person here this morning, every single person that might be listening online would would be engaged with the body in the mission of the church. We need everyone. God, thank you for the privilege you give us of being a part of your church, of being a part of the great commission, of being a part of lives being transformed by the gospel. Lord, we thank you this morning for these that we're about to see that that we're going to celebrate with in baptism, these pictures of transformed lives, exactly what we're about. God, we thank you for that. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. At Mission City Church, we love people and love how the good news of Jesus transforms lives, and we want to see it more every day. Stop by missioncity.church to check out what we are up to that you can be a part of. It is also where you can share a gift to support the ministries of Mission City in San Antonio. Be blessed. Till next time.